Today's scripture is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. seated. Our society, our culture, our department stores, they really have the Christmas season all backwards, right? Because when you think about just department stores, you think about Walmart, the Christmas season starts uh, in like August or September, right? At least by the time Halloween comes, they're already putting Christmas stuff out. For most of us sitting here today, we begin the Christmas season as soon as Thanksgiving happens. But really, right, we have the Advent season in the month of December, even though we tend to say it's the Christmas season, sing the Christmas carols. My favorite Christmas carol, which my wonderful wife told me I'm not allowed to sing, really has the correct way of the Christmas season, right? The 12 days of Christmas. Because the Christmas season doesn't start until Jesus comes into the world on Christmas Day. 
Now, in our Advent season, or for some of us in our Christmas season, we like to decorate our houses, and one of the decorations that we put up probably the most, or around the most, I don't know, is a nativity scene. Now, some of you also know that I despise nativity scenes. I am not a fan. Um, God love my wife. She has agreed with some of my petitions around nativity scenes. Um, and, and the reason I don't really like nativity scenes is because, you know, while I understand we are trying to illustrate a beautiful scene, it's a very inaccurate scene historically. You know, one of the uh, petitions that my wife and I have worked through when it comes to nativity, we have two in our house, so please know that we do have nativity scenes in our house, um, but I hide baby Jesus until Christmas Eve because Jesus is not here until then. Now, the key is always to hide baby Jesus where you can find him on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and then, one of the other parts of the nativity scene that I'm not a huge fan of, I'm not sure how to fix it yet, is that I don't particularly like these guys. And it's not that I don't like them, okay? So this is, right, a wise man or a magi. Some of us refer to him as a king, right? We, we sang, we three kings. And so as the Christmas season goes on, which is what we're in, right? We're in the uh, seventh or eighth day of Christmas because Christmas goes until January 6th, which is Epiphany. Now, we are observing the day of Epiphany today where we do talk about the wise men, where we do talk about their journey to go and to, to see Jesus, to follow the star, and to see where this star of Bethlehem is leading them. And so while in my children's moment, I may have, I don't know, told them something right or not right, I'm not really sure, I started kind of looking into this actual exchange of the wise men, of the Magi, with Jesus. Looking at what that scene actually looked like when it happened. Not so much the, what it looks like on our nativity scenes, but what scripture and historians think it actually looked like. Because honestly, right, our nativity scenes are telling lies. Lots of them. And I'm going to debunk some of those. So I may have lied right there, but I'm going to be honest right here. <laughs> so, at the time of Jesus' birth, one of the thoughts was that any time there was a birth of someone important or a death of someone important, that there would be a sign from the heavens. And so, for these individuals, there was a star that they followed. And it was a sign that somebody had been born that was of importance. And so, that kind of begins the journey that these men took. 
They saw this star and, and seeing this star and saying, okay, there's something important that has happened. Somebody important has been born. And so the Magi, they then go and they follow the star. Now, my question started with, what are they kings of? Who are these guys? Like, what is it important that they are going to find Jesus? And so what I found is that they are in no way, and I specifically asked Alyssa to grab this wise man because he has a crown to signify him as a king. That did not come about in identifying these men as kings until the 5th century, long past when they actually went and experienced Jesus. Rather, uh, these men are more of like scientists. These men are uh, astronomers. They, they see the stars and they are uh, going because of their religion, their religion that is Zoroastrianism. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that is what it is. And so they're not even Jew, they're not Gentile necessarily, they are from who knows where, following a star. Now the reason that in the 5th century it got to the point where we were referring to uh, these men as kings come from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, verse 60, and, or chapter 60, verse 3, where it says, Nations shall come to your light. The kings, of your bright, uh, the kings to the brightness of your dawn. So what the 5th century Christians are trying to do, they're trying to add another layer onto proving and identifying Jesus as the Messiah. To fulfill this prophecy that Isaiah had written long before. And so they're, they're coming, and we see them first in our scripture coming to Herod's kingdom. Asking Herod of where this child that has been born is. And as Herod is listening to these men, he's beginning to become afraid worried because from the sound of things whoever it was that was just born is going to take away the authority that he thinks belongs to him that power so much so where he is now manipulating the situation telling these men to go to go and to find this baby and then bring him back to me so that I can pay homage, so that I can worship him. When really, that is not what his intentions were at all. Now another thing that is important as we're reading this scripture is that these men were looking for a virgin birth. Within their theology of Zoroastrianism, there was supposed to be a virgin birth. So they are out and they're going and they are looking for this 
virgin birth. And then in Matthew, as he writes that they came from the east, that also is going back to the prophet Isaiah. Because really, in uh, the original language, it doesn't translate as east. It translates as rise. But it rises, right? The sun rises from the east and goes west, right? Am I right on my science? I think so. And so it's, it's morphed into our English translation of talking about these men from the east. Because in the very first verse of chapter 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And so there is importance when we hear this scripture out of Matthew, that they came from the east. It also says, or doesn't say, how many individuals are in this group. Somehow it's morphed to write three wise men. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that the wise men come bearing three gifts. Gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. And those gifts are very important to this scene. Because as this group of people, as they find and see Christ, they acknowledge that there's something different. They acknowledge that this might not have been what they were searching for, that this was much larger than anything they could have imagined. They were transformed. They saw the authority and the power and the love through Christ. So they, they wanted to worship Him. And gold being a sign of kingship. Frankincense being a very costly incense. Myrrh being a very pricely perfume. All of these gifts are gifts that you would give royalty to give a king. Now, the last part of our nativity scene experience versus actuality is that when the wise men came and they found Jesus, when they followed the star of Bethlehem and their journey finally got to where Jesus was, Jesus was not in a manger. Jesus was not a baby. Jesus was probably two or three years old, a little toddler. But yet in that toddler, in that toddler they saw something different. Something bigger than what they originally assumed they would find. So, now that I have debunked all the things we think of in the exchange of the Magi, let's paint this picture as if it happened in 2023, or we'll even say in 2024. Why not? So, imagine that there is a little toddler boy running around at, in daycare, 
or with his parents. And three scientists in lab coats and glasses or whatever you want to think scientists look like show up and they are not Christian, they are not Jew. I'm, I'm going to say they probably have no religious connection at all with anybody. They're really looking factually at science for answers. And they come to, we'll say, the state of Alabama, because that's where we're at. And we're going to say that they're from, you know, I don't know, the state of Massachusetts or, or New York or uh, California or somewhere, right, where we know that all these different states have very different cultures. Or maybe they're from a different country. I, I don't know. They're from a different culture nonetheless. And so they come and they experience this toddler, and this toddler transforms what they know. See, when we paint this picture and this scene, and we really think about what it looked like all those years ago, and even think about what it may look like Today, we realize, we realize that Jesus is the Messiah. And we realize that through what Matthew is sharing, because Jesus' grace and love transformed these individuals who saw him and had no reason to give him these gifts, had no reason to believe that he was the Messiah. And not only does it show that Jesus truly is the Messiah, does it not only show of Jesus' grace and love, it shows that Jesus, his presence, his love, his grace, that it can transform anyone, no matter who we are, no matter where we have come from, Christ's, Christ's love can transform anyone. See, the kingdom that God has entrusted to Christ that kingdom that we're still eagerly waiting to see the fullness of, that kingdom is built on the transformational love that Christ gives to all of God's people. And as we sit here, and as we think in our own lives of the moments in which that love has transformed us in the ways we think, hopefully transforming us in the ways we act. We realize the importance, the opportunity, the responsibility that we have to continue to take that transformation in our own lives and help others, no matter who they are, where they're from, help them know that they are too loved by our Almighty God, that they too can be transformed by God's love and God's grace that surrounds 
each and every one of us, whether we realize it or not, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to continue to build God's kingdom, to bring the fullness of that kingdom built on Christ's transformative love into the world today. Because we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that is searching. We have friends and family that are searching and they don't even know what they're searching for. And for us to help hearts and eyes to be open to see that transformational, almighty, and gracious love that God has for all of God's people. That's what this scene shares. That's what this scene looks like. And it continues to look different, continues to not make sense, but continues to transform lives. through the love, the love of Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for your love and your grace, for the ways in which you continue to reveal yourself to us. For the ways in which we have seen transformation happen in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And yet we know there's so much more to do. And that as we have been transformed, as the Magi were transformed, we want to share that same transformational love so that we may continue to help the world see and know the fullness of your kingdom. A kingdom that is greater than anything we will ever know. A kingdom that may not look like we expect it to, but a kingdom that is full of love and grace. So we thank you, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.